Acting with an Accent by Dr. David Allen Stern. The standard British dialect, revised edition, copyright 1987 by Dialect Accent Specialists, Los Angeles, California. This tape teaches the dialect variously referred to as standard British, English RP, received pronunciation, or sometimes SBS, standard British Southern. It's the dialect used by most educated, middle to upper class speakers throughout the south of England. And it's the pattern that Americans most often identify as the British or English accent. Lesson one. Now for something completely different. Lesson two. Pronunciation changes related to standard British residents. What's a police public call box? It's a telephone box from the 1950s. For this guy's. Lesson three. English pitch lines. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. This is lesson number four. More changes in English vowel pronunciation. No, I'm not saying that we're better or greater or comparing us with Jesus Christ as a person or as a thing or whatever it is. Lesson five, the English R drop. Expecto Patronum! Of course the English pronounce the R sound when it comes before a vowel in words like red, rose, Radiohead. In standard American dialect, the T doesn't explode much at the end of words. We'll often say hit, get, sit. The English do a complete explosion on those sounds. Run Hit. For example, get. Repeat these. Sit. Text. Some lovely actors. In fact, when the next word starts with a vowel, the T often seems to carry over to the next word. Get out. Mary is lovely. Sit on the chair. Americans never do this after the L, but the English do. Lubricate. Don't forget to combine these new pitch glides with the forward lip and tongue glides that you've been doing from the start. I don't like it at all. Best of Britain. Welcome to Geek Fights, the Ponzi scheme of podcasting. I'm Damon Shaw. With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, what are we fighting about? Well, uh, we've uh, we've done this one before. We're coming back to it again. This is Chris Mitchell's pick. We're doing the best of Britain to The Empire Strikes Back. So uh, who's joining us today? Well, we've got uh, the right-o cheerio chap, Mr. Christopher Mitchell. Right-o cheerio. Uh, Paul V. Finch. Hello, everyone. Uh, let's see who else. Neil, brother of Chris Mitchell. Good afternoon. Uh, Mark Stamper. Hello, everyone. And Bunny. Hello. So, uh, how do the fights work, Mike? Well, we've we've got thirty-two uh, things, all related in in some capacity to uh, Britain. We put them in tournament-style brackets, which you can download from our website at geekfights.net. Uh, we pit one against the other. We all cast our votes. Well, actually, they all cast their votes. Uh, Damon and I aren't voting here. This is an all UK panel because uh, you know because the first time we did this, uh, it was all us Yanks and Chris. So we obviously got it wrong because we don't know shit about other countries. We barely know about our own country. Um, and, uh, we keep doing this until something is crowned the best of Britain. Uh, as always, you can use any rationale you want. 
as long as it uh, as long as it makes sense to you. That's what we call Geek Logic, and Geek Logic can best be explained by this pre-recorded message. Keep your eyes on Mamba Bumpa Bumpa. Keep your keep your eyes on Mamba Bumpa Keep your own keep your keep your eyes on Mamba Bumpa Bumpa. And think you can handle this? Cause don't don't you keep your keep your eyes on Mamba Bumpa Bumpa. Keep your keep your eyes on Mamba Bumpa. Keep your keep your keep your eyes on Mamba Bumpa Bumpa. And think you can handle this? Cause don't don't keep your keep your eyes on Mamba. Keep your eyes on Mamba. And that's Geek Logic. Uh, yeah, and uh, there was a Canadian on that episode too. They're as good as a British subject. They're Canadians. No, they're turncoats. How are they turn? Well, on both sides, they 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 betrayed us Americans, and they're still British subjects. They're still they still have the Queen on their money. We see it. We see it. It's weird. Anyway, uh, let's start. First fight is yours, Chris. It is Peg Frost and Wright. And if you don't know what that is, well, it's going to be, uh, well, it, it, you're a horrible American, number one, a horrible geeky American, number one. And number two, this is an episode with British things in it. I, I, I seriously doubt, like, a good third of this stuff, uh, we're not going to know. And it's going to be awesome. Versus Monty Python. You see, this is really boils down to a battle of old versus new. Now, Monty Python's brand of humor was very unique and still stands out as being very unique. They have made probably the best comedy movies you're ever going to see. But Peg Frost and Wright are making comedy movies for for my generation that that I want to see right now. And I have a much greater connection to, to Peg Frost and Wright and what they're doing. Um, so I'm going to have to vote for those three. No, well, I was the person who picked Monty Python, and I've been a big Monty Python fan, fan since I saw it when I was probably around about eleven or twelve. I think I first saw it when when it was repeated on TV. Mark, and Mark that, that, yeah, Mark, you, you have to wait for Damon to actually move on to the next panelist before you start speaking. Otherwise, the show turns into a complete mess. Okay, sorry. All right, sorry Mark's about sick, that, Mark. Uh, yeah, it does, it does turn crazy. I was going to Paul. I'm going to you, Paul. Uh, well, similar to what Chris just said, it is a battle of old versus new. I do hold both of them quite fondly. I actually remember my mum physically pissing her pants watching the Holy Grail when I was younger. Um, but for me, I've kind of grown up with Peg Frost and Wright from Spaced right through to, uh, well, what their most recent film will be, The World's End. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm sure it'll be good. And I actually used a space quote in my wedding speech just a couple of months ago. So I'm going to go for Peg, Frost, Frost and Wright. Uh, Neil. Um, okay, I, I think Chris has gone on the right lines that uh, it is an old versus new. Now, I'm quite old and I remember uh, Monty Python from reruns. But I'm going to have to go with Peg, Frost and Wright because... From my perspective, Monty Python is a little played out. I have everything they've ever produced at home, and I never watch it. But I've watched Spaced dozens of times. I've watched Hot Fuzz. Every time it's on TV, I just sit down there and watch it. So it's Peg, Frost, and Wright for me. All right, Mark. Now you get to go. (laughs) Okay. Um, I do like most of what Peg, Frost, and Wright have done. Uh, I loved Spaced, absolutely loved that series, still watch it. 
Um, I really enjoyed Shaun of the Dead, and I really enjoyed Hot Fuzz. I won't give my opinion on their latest movie because Paulie hasn't seen it. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of them, big fan of them. But I did grow up watching Monty Python, love the movies, um, and these guys basically revolutionised com- comedy, in my opinion. Um, you know, they were the first guys ever to do what we would now, or what was in the 80s, was termed alternative comedy. So I'm going to go with Monty Python. A vote for Monty Python and Bunny. Well, um, yeah, this isn't really a contest for me because I vote for Monty Python. I'm not really a major fan of Peg Frost and Wright. So as I've kind of been brought up with Monty Python, it's kind of a straight, no-brainer situation. Monty Python for me. But Peg Frost and Wright move I would have voted Monty Python too. That's because you're old, Mike. I don't care about your opinion, you Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> On to our next fight, Paul. This one is you yours. did in 1944. <laughs> Always bringing up that card, didn't you? Paul, this one is yours. It is hello. It is the Queen versus uh, Bombay Bad Boy by Pot Noodle. I have no idea what that is. He, he, speaking French right now. Well, the Bombay Bad Boy Pot Noodle is a British delicacy that consists of probably what is MSG and E numbers in a packet mixed with what can only be described as moderately to very hot chilli sauce. Um, For me, anyway, it was probably my first taste of spicy food. Um, And... It was quite a big part of my childhood, whereas the Queen, personally, has never done anything for me, so I'll go with the pot noodle. Uh, spicy and British food. I didn't think that was possible. Uh, Neil? Well, uh, yeah, spicy is British food. The, the national dish is curry, regardless of what people say about fish and chips. Um, now, I'm a Republican. That's not a political party Republican, but so the Queen is I'm never gonna be voting for the Queen. But Bombay Bad Boy is um uh, is renowned uh, across the world. There's a, a a guy called the Raymond Rater who uh rates noodles and he has rated over a thousand uh dried noodles on his website called the Raymond Rater. There's only one um Western cup noodle in the top ten. Uh, you guessed it. That's Bombay Bad Boy. So it's Bombay Bad Boy for me. Another vote for noodles. Uh, Mark. Okay. I've never had a Bombay Bad Boy pot noodle. I think pot noodles are disgusting things. They're, it's terrible food. It's just, as Paul said, MSG and E numbers. And it, they just taste revolting. Um, so I'm not particularly a big royalist. But in this case, I'd have to go for the Queen. Because I just loathe pot noodles. They are revolting things. A vote for the Queen, Bunny. Right, I'm echoing Mark at this point in time. I I hate pot noodles. I oh, I really don't like them. Awesome. Um, but I do support the monarchy and think that Britain gets a lot of tourism from the monarchy and the Queen being the head of state is something that I believe in. I'd rather have a monarchy system rather than someone that's apparently elected in that not everyone agree with. Not everyone agrees with the Queen, but it's tough luck. She's there. Um, and I think that 
we'd be in a lot more trouble with as a country if we didn't have her. And obviously, I, the Queen was my suggestion, so I'm going to go with the Queen. The Queen gets a vote. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Chris. Which one is moving on? This this is actually quite hard because I do agree with Bunny that the Queen generates an awful lot of tourism and does an, a lot of good for the country that probably goes unrecognised by a lot of people. But but the first time that you have a Bombay bad boy and put all of the chilli sauce in, it's like a rite of passage. But it's still horrible and tastes revolting. Um, let, let's... This is, this is really tough. I'm going to go with the Queen. You're just chicken. I am just chicken. I, I am worried about this being uh, listened to and someone coming and knocking my door down. I don't know. Did, does Scott Thompson do a good imitation of a Bombay bad boy noodle? I don't believe so, but he's Canadian and they don't count. The queen is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Uh, Neil, this one is yours. It is Sir Patrick Stewart versus Johnny Ive. Is that this? What this is? Or is it a typo? No, it's uh, Johnny Ive. Um, well, Patrick Stewart is an actor. And and we love him in geekdom, but we only really love him for Star Trek and X-Men. Um, Johnny Ive is adored throughout geekdom, even when people don't know who he is. He is a British guy, um, and he's the designer of the iMac, the MacBook Pro, the iPod, the iPod Touch, the iPhone, the iPad, and he is the designer of iOS 7. So whether you're an Apple user or not, these things have changed, you know, our um, our landscape enormously. So it's got to be Johnny Ive. A uh, vote for Johnny Ive, Mark. I'm not an Apple user. I'm not an Apple fan, um, but I do think Johnny Ive has done some great design work. Obviously, when when Apple were in trouble in the late '90s, and you know, they've, they've come on leaps and bounds since then. So you know, I've got respect for him as a designer, but it just has to be Patrick Stewart for me a fine Shakespearean actor. We all love him from, from Trek and X-Men. There's no way that Johnny Ive will win over Patrick Stewart. It's a vote for Patrick Stewart for me. Yeah, I, I love it when he when he's on extras and he makes the women's clothing fall off. Uh, Bunny? And I've, and I've seen everything. <laughs> um, given the fact that I had to look up Johnny Ive, um, <laughs> this is kind of really no contest for me either. <laughs> I'm not an Apple user. I hate Apple. I hate everything it stands for. I'll never get an Apple piece of equipment in my life. Um, so, yeah, Patrick Stewart for me. And not just because he plays Picard and uh, Professor X. I like him in pretty much anything he's done. Um, so, yeah, Patrick Stewart for me. Uh, vote for Patrick Stewart. Chris. The last time we uh, we did this this fight, the best of Britain, I gave Patrick Stewart short shrift in the first round, and I and I would uh, like to apologise for that, and probably do exactly the same again because I think that that Johnny Ive needs needs some love. Um, I, when when I first heard about him and I first looked up, you know what he'd actually done. It's immense, you know, that that the amount of people around the world that hold something that he made essentially, he he designed and and put together is, is just incredible. And, and that amount of touch, although Patrick Stewart has influenced and, and given pleasure to a lot of people, I think that, that Johnny Ive needs to, needs to uh, at least get my vote just, just to make sure that people go and look up to see what he's done and, and understand what a, a sort of a, a pioneer of, of technology he's been. 
It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Paul. Which one is moving on? Make it so, number one. It's Patrick Stewart. Yay. Patrick Stewart, the lead of the greatest movie of all time, Masterminds. Yes, Masterminds. Look it up. You've seen it. I thought you were going to say Excalibur. No, no. I, I, went, I went to Masterminds. It's about a, uh, a, 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 uh, a group of uh, school people trapped uh, with criminals. And uh, Patrick Stewart is Don't forget Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, but that's actually a good movie. I and just he, went he with was also that's, in, that's not really he, was, a good he also movie. played Gurney Halleck in June as well. Oh yeah, that's right. He's all over the place. But Patrick but Stewart. If your computer on. is not a, a a gray box, a beige box, and your phone doesn't have buttons, that's because of Johnny Ive. Yeah. But Patrick Stewart is Patrick Stewart. And we're on to our next fight, Mark. This one is yours. It is the National Health Care System, the NHS, versus the Magna Carta. <laughs> Okay, the, I mean, uh, the other two, I mean, the Magna Carta was, uh, you know, it, that was fine. I mean, how, how long ago was that? Does anyone actually know when the Magna Carta was? 1215. 1215, okay, so that's a, that's an ancient thing. The NHS, okay, we, we're, we're struggling with it at the moment because it costs us vast amounts of money. But if you think of what happened after World War II, we'd been through a massive war. We'd lost millions of people. Um Billions of people were killed, and there, there was this sort of outcry from from the people for you know this social healthcare system, and we've had that now for sixty odd years. So I'm I'm going to go for the NHS. I'll vote for the NHS, Bunny. Right, um, I think the NHS is one of the most important things that we've got in Britain, and yeah, as Mark said, it's kind of um, buckling under the weight a bit at the moment. Um, but it's provided so many people with so much valuable healthcare that if we were somewhere else, they may not be able to afford. I think it's the NHS saved my, saved my daughter's life. There you go. Then point case in point, um, I'm voting for the NHS. Uh, vote for the NHS, Chris. Uh, Magna Carta is is a a great um, view into into history, and to have something like that around is 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 interesting. And and something like that, but the NHS saves lives every day, so I don't think I can vote for anything else. Uh, vote for the NHS, Paul. Uh, as 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 everyone's kind of pointed out, I'm sure every British person will either themselves, their lives have probably been saved by the NHS, or they will certainly know someone who has been saved by it. So the NHS. Is it a clean sweep, Neil? This is a tough one for me because the Magna Carta was was one of my selections, and um, as a as a document, say from from twelve fifteen, there are three clauses of the Magna Carta which is still part of British law. Um, the twenty ninth clause is the right to due process, which became the Fifth and Sixth Amendment in in the United States. So, as a single document, it's probably one of the most important things ever to come out of of, of Great Britain, but the fact that I could have some horrible debilitating disease, be in hospital for, for two years and not have a single penny to pay for it, it has to be the NHS. The NHS is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Bunny, this one is yours. 
It is T versus the range of accents. Well, this is quite hilarious because I don't drink tea and I don't think range of accents is specifically towards it is British. I mean, every pretty much every country has different accents. So, uh, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Um, I'm going to go with tea. I'll vote for tea, Chris. <sighs> See, uh, Range of accents is is an interesting quirk, but like like Bunny says, it's it's everywhere. Everywhere you go in the world, you you drive five miles up the road, and people sound different to each other. Um, it, it's one of those things that it, a, a non-British person might not be able to pick up all of the different uh, tonalities of the accents and the different phrases and things that we say. Whereas people fight wars over tea, and I like tea, so I will vote for tea. A uh, vote for T. Paul. People fight wars over accents too, though. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for T as well, for no other reason than it keeps Mark Stamper in the job. Uh, Neil? Um, yeah, I- I'm going to have to to go for T. I-, I adore T. Um, and I have done ever since I was old enough to remember. Um, the accents thing is interesting. I think it's um, there is a peculiarity in, in Great Britain where accents are extraordinarily regional. And uh, Chris and I were, were brought up maybe 50 miles from where we live at the moment. And the accents between those 50 miles are distinctly different. But it's tea. Another vote for tea. Uh, Mark, is it a, clear, a clean sweep? It's it is a clean sweep. Um, range of accents is interesting in the UK. Obviously, you've got a huge range of accents uh, in the US and, you know, across Australia and, and you know, other, you know, many other countries. And we do have some very, very interesting variations over very small distances. If you look at somewhere like Manchester to Liverpool, they're only about 20 miles apart, but the accent variation is very different. But T, it's the British solution to all problems. Whatever's wrong, if you're feeling happy, you're feeling sad, you know, you've just been torn to bits by a pack of wild dogs, have a cup of tea. And as Paul said, I work for a tea company. It keeps me in a job. It's tea. And tea is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Chris, this one is yours. It is the Avengers, the 1960s TV series. Not the awesome movie with Sean Connery versus sarcasm. The Avengers is probably the greatest TV series that's ever a bit sarcasm. <laughs> I'll vote for sarcasm, Paul. Uh, I put sarcasm on the list because I've, I've worked in the tourist industry before. And I think that to do sarcasm properly is a uniquely British trait and probably sets us apart from the rest of the world. So sarcasm. A vote for sarcasm. Neil? Um, yeah. Um, I think British sarcasm has a uh, has a, an underpinning of irony, which, which makes it work extremely well. Um, if you've watched an episode of The Avengers recently, it's very camp, very low budget. So it's, uh, it's a vote for sarcasm for me. But the movie is so good. Um, Mark? Okay, I vaguely remember watching the uh, some of the Avengers TV series uh, on a on a repeat when I was a kid, but I really don't remember too much about it. 
Um, sarcasm, it's something which the Brits do uniquely well. Um, I, I think a lot of other countries in the world really don't get it, but it's something which is uniquely British. It is the lowest form of wit, but it's also the funniest. It's sarcasm for me. Bunny, is it a clean sweep for sarcasm? This is so difficult for me because I live my life with sarcasm, um, which, okay, most of the time it doesn't work so well on the internet, but for, um, but no, I, oh, this is so difficult because I love the Avengers. Um, this is, the Avengers is my pick and um, Diana Rigg is basically my 60s icon. I have it all on DVD. I think it's quintessentially British. Um, it was one of the, one of the first TV series to go colour to be picked up in the US and it, it made it big and it made us British like stand out in terms of TV and um, I will always love it. Do I love it more than sarcasm? Well, sarcasm is kind of my way of life, but yeah, the Brits may do sarcasm the best, but it's not just specifically British, so I'm not giving it a clean sweep. I'm going to go with the Avengers. And sarcasm is moving you on we're on to our next fight paul this one is yours it is winston churchill versus whiskey now i do love the idea of churchill but i think that churchill was a politician who was uniquely suited to war um so his kind of time in parliament was perfect for world war ii as a battle and i think that probably Britain owes its current existence in the way that it is right now to Winston Churchill. But for single-handedly propping up the Scottish economy through recession, I'll go for whiskey. A vote for whiskey. Uh, Neil. Okay. Um, well, if you ignore Churchill's um, record as a, as a war prime minister, he, he was also a soldier. He fought in uh, four campaigns in active service. He was also a war um, correspondent. Uh, he was a um, Nobel Prize winning author. Uh, he was a painter. He was the first honorary citizen of the United States of America. And he was a qualified bricklayer. Um, and he was our prime minister through, through the war. So it has to be Churchill for me. A vote for Churchill. Mark? Okay, now I'm a big fan of whiskey. I really do uh, like it as a drink. But Winston Churchill, a man who led our country through one of its darkest hours. Um, obviously, he was very much a war prime minister. He wasn't suited for the position outside of war. But as Paul had said, you know, this country would not be in the position it is without Winston Churchill. And I do believe he was voted on a TV show a few years ago one of the greatest Britons ever. So it's Churchill for me. Bunny? I'm going with Churchill. I don't think there's a contest for me personally with this category. Um, I just agree with everyone that's already said anything about Winston Churchill, really, to be quite honest with you. So, yeah, Churchill. A vote for Churchill. Chris? Winston Churchill drinks all of your whiskey and then goes and takes on the Krauts. Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill is moving on. Whiskey goes down in flames. We're on to our next fight. It's the first unknown fight of the whatever this is. I don't know. Evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening. Um, 
It is Bird's Eye Potato Waffles versus Mike's Unknown Pick. What is it, Mike? Chris, this one is for you. It's Benny fucking Hill. Benny Hill. It is Bird's Eye Potato Waffles versus Benny Hill. I hate you, Michael. But see, now you get to explain why you hate Benny Hill. Neil? Okay, I I hate Benny Hill. Um, it's one of those things that um, it was on uh, ITV, and when it when it left ITV in the mid eighties, it disappeared. And I don't think it's a, it's available anywhere. Maybe it's on Netflix somewhere. Um, whereas potato waffles are potatoes and waffles, and so it's definitely potato waffles is is my vote. You say that like it's a good thing. A vote for potato waffles. Mark? I do vaguely remember watching Benny Hill when it was repeated in the 80s. And there's probably a good reason I haven't seen it since then. Or the fact that it's never repeated on TV because it's so politically incorrect these days. But setting that aside, bird's eye potato waffles, they they are awesome. You can have them with anything. You can have them in a sandwich with fish fingers. It's bird's eye potato waffles for me. More potato waffle love. Bunny. Bird's eye potato waffles. <laughs> I can't say this without laughing. <laughs> um, They're waffly versatile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <sighs> yeah. Bird's eye potato waffles for me. They're the winner. Uh, Chris? Okay. The reason that I don't, the reason that I, extremely hate Benny Hill is not necessarily the Benny Hill show itself. It's that when I, when, when you speak to people who are not British, they hold up Benny Hill, like it's some shining example of wonderful British humor and ignore the whole wealth of other wonderful British humor that's around. It's like, Oh, Benny Hill, you know, he's so funny. It's like, have you not seen an episode of red dwarf? That's funny. Benny Hill is slapstick garbage and i hate it and i hate it and i'm not voting for it now see now you know how we feel about jerry lewis (laughs) (laughs) i I hate jerry lewis too in in defense of benny hill uh one the answer to the question have you seen red dwarf was mostly no because we didn't have a lot we had monty python which uh still was just pbs um but benny hill was on uh regular just like UHF uh, TV. Uh, this was before cable. And more importantly, there were a lot of boobs on Benny Hill. And you didn't see that on American TV, especially not at 3 p.m. when you're home and your parents aren't and you're 12 years old. Uh, Paul, is it a clean sweep for bird's eye potato waffles? Well, the thing is about Benny Hill, it's a good job we have the NHS because I'm pretty sure watching it gives you brain tumors. Uh, whereas bird's eye potato waffles are absolutely delicious and pretty much the only thing on a menu that can legitimately replace chips. So bird's eye potato waffles. Bird's eye potato waffles. Have you heard of them, Mike? No, I know. Neither have I. Uh, Bird's eye potato waffles is moving on. Benny Hill, the winner of the last Best of Britain, right? No. (laughs) Is not moving on. Uh, Mark, this next fight is yours. It is Crumpets versus Michael Faraday. Okay, I love Crumpets. They are a delicious food. You can eat them at any time of the day. 
Um, lovely with butter, even nice with Marmite. Um, I'm surprised no one put Marmite on this list, actually. Uh, I do love them, but Michael Faraday, because of all his scientific work, and I, I'm, a, I'm a real sort of science geek, um, it has to be Michael Faraday for me. A vote for Michael Faraday. Bunny. Okay, well, as much as crumpets were was one of my picks, and I've eaten four today, um, I'm a scientist, so I'm going to kind of have to go with Michael Faraday on this one. I feel bad for my crumpets right now. Chris? I, I too, am a lover of a good crumpet, and they are edible at any times of the day. And, and the experimentation that you can do with a crumpet is amazing. I, I like a crumpet with uh, both Marmite and cheese on the top, which is a, quite a delight. But Michael Faraday, where would we be now without the breakthroughs that he made in electromagnetism? So, Faraday. Uh, so, yeah, you guys are speaking in a different language. I picked up cheese, but I have no idea what the crumpet is or what Marmite is. Uh, <laughs> Paul, uh, what, what do you say? Uh, well, crumpets are predominantly really an English thing. You can get them in Scotland, but they're not as popular. Uh, you would only really be able to get them in a large, large supermarket. But I, like Mark and Bunny, I'm a big fan of uh British scientists and scientific knowledge in general, so I'm going to go for Michael Faraday. A vote for Michael Faraday. Neil? Um, yeah, crumpets are my go-to comfort food, but without uh, Michael Faraday, we would probably, well, maybe wouldn't, but electricity at that time was a, was a novelty. Uh, Michael Faraday made it useful by um, discovering um, electromagnetic induction and uh, developing motors and generators. Uh, so it has to be Michael Faraday. English muffins. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm being offensive, but that's what we call them here. And they're not really the same thing. But Michael Faraday is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Bunny, this one is yours. It is Sir Francis Drake versus Queuing. Right. Well. I'm going to have to go with queuing, um, mostly because I spend my life doing it. And the British have formed it into an art, um, especially at a lot of conventions and at the post office and generally basically anywhere. Queuing for the bus, queuing for anything. The British do it well. We have a system. We have an orderly system. Whoever gets there first starts the queue. The queue forms back. Everything is perfect. We've mastered the art in not pushing in, not forming a rabble, just simple queuing. It's an art form. I'm voting for queuing. A vote for queuing, Chris. See, queuing is a British art form. It's a British art form that I hate immensely. I, I cannot stand to be in a queue, but I observe the rules very, very strongly because that's the way we are made. We are made to queue in an orderly fashion and grumble under our breath. Francis Drake, um, he sailed around the world. He defeated the Spanish, and he's a proper Plymouth Bay. So I'm going to vote for Drake. A vote for Drake. Paul? Um, as much as I hate queuing, the one thing that hate, I hate more than queuing is people who can't queue. So I think, like Bunny said, queuing is an actual art form. Or maybe it wasn't Bunny. Maybe it was Neil or Chris. can't remember. Anyway, queuing for me as well. 
uh, <laughs> a vote for queuing. It was it was funny because she's the only female on this panel. Uh, Neil, um, I'm going to have to uh, disagree with my brother here. Um, Drake is a local hero, so he was an explorer, defeated the French, sorry the Spanish. Um, he was mayor of Plymouth, but he was also a slave trader. And queuing, on the other hand. Well, there's there's no bad side to that. It's an extension of politeness. It's it's individual inconvenience, but for the greater good. So it has to be queuing. Well, you know, unless you're queuing up to pick up some slaves. <laughs> um, Mark? Okay, well, queuing was actually my pick, and I think it is one of those quintessential things that the British do like no other nation on Earth. We observe all of the etiquette of the queue. And I've been to foreign countries and it just drives me mad where people cannot queue. There's just this rabble and people push in and it drives me mental. I have a lot of respect for Sir Francis Drake um, in terms of it being an explorer and defeating the Spanish. The slave trading, well, not so much, um, but it has to be queuing for me. It's one of the, the things that the British do like no other. And queuing is into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Chris, this one is yours. It is the Royal Mail versus Chippies. Uh, the Royal Mail provides a, a very, very important service for, for, for Britain and provides it reasonably badly uh, in, in the fact that the in fact that things go things go missing. Um, a few years ago, I remember uh, there was a, a post office worker who got arrested and had like 30,000 pieces of mail in their house that hadn't been delivered so that they were working their way through. Um, our local chippy, the chippy that's nearest to us, is is quite a good chippy. But the the next chippy along is an absolutely terrible chippy. Uh, it's it's quite it's quite difficult. I, I I'll I'll put my vote to to chippies, but only good chippies because a bad fish and chip shop is probably the worst thing on earth, apart from slave traders. <laughs> uh, you know I, I'm okay with slave trading. I'm fine with that now. Um, Paul. Uh, the Royal Mail seems to be something that people look upon with kind of great nostalgia and great respect until then you actually use it um it's got a lot of good points but i don't think it can survive in the modern world the way it has been going whereas chippies or or chip shops are probably make up about 50 percent of my diet so i'll need to go for chippies uh vote for chippies neil um, yeah, I'm with Paul here. The Royal Mail is is a is an outdated uh, institution. Um, it only ever brings me the odd piece of junk mail. Everything I do that's important nowadays goes via electronic means. If it's a parcel, it's not coming by post; it's coming by a courier. Um, chippies, on the other hand, like my my good brother said, a good chippy is hard to find, and uh, and you can easily spend eight pound a head on, on, on good fish and chips. But if you can find one that uh, uses fresh potatoes, freshly caught fish, it's it's well worth it. So it's chippy for me. Mark. Okay, well the Royal Mail, I think as everyone said, it is an outdated institution. I use it when I have to. Um, fish and chip shops. Now I've got a pretty good one around the corner from me, but I'll tell you you guys want a good fish and chip shop, 
you need to go to Scotland because when I visited Paul in May, I had a Donna kebab meat calzone pizza and it was one of the most incredible things I have ever eaten in my entire life. It's chippies for me. Bunny, is it a clean sweep for chippies? Well, Royal Mail was my pick because I just, I was so curious to see how badly people would pull it apart because even I don't call it Royal Mail. I call it Royal Fail because the failure rate on Royal Mail is just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I'm going to go with Chippies. And Chippies is moving on. We are on to our next fight. Paul, this one is yours. It is Ardman Animations versus Real Football, a.k.a. Rugby. Well, Ardman Animations have produced some fantastic pieces of work. And I think that it is run by generally very, very nice and genuine people. And when it comes to rugby, for fuck's sake, people, this is a geek podcast. It's not. There's no room for sport here. So Ardman Animations. A vote for Ardman Animations. Uh, Neil? Um, I, I'm i kind of tired of Ardman Animations. I'm, I'm, I've loved a lot of their output, but um, I'm done with claymation or, or, or virtual claymation, um, as it seems to be the want nowadays. Um, so it's going to have to be rugby for me. It's, um, it, it's, a, it's a gentleman's sport. There's no hooligans. No foul mouth prima donnas, no rolling around on the floor like you've been shot when someone tackles you. Um, yep, it's rugby for me. Mark. Okay, now I really, really used to enjoy playing uh, rugby uh, when I was younger. It, it is, uh, you know, as, as Neil had said, it's a real man sport, it's a real gentleman sport. Uh, watching it, not so much, but I mean, I've really, really enjoyed some of the Ardman stuff that's come out. And I'm still a huge fan of Wallace and Gromit, and I love the wrong trousers. And I wet myself laughing every single time they have the scene where he's laying down the track as he's going along on the train. So it's Ardman Animations for me. Bunny? Right. Well, as someone said, apparently rugby is a real man sport, and I'm not a man. Uh, Paul, just so you know, I am not a man. Um, so. Yeah, again, it's really no contest. I have no time for sport. I can't be doing with sport. I don't like to watch sport. I don't like to do sport. I'm a geek girl. So I'm going with Ardman Animations. Christopher. Uh, rugby is a, is, a, is a good game. Um, but it's, it's not something that, that you would view as a great British export because, you know, we, we, take, we took the game to, to different corners of the world and they, they in turn beat us at it for a, an extraordinary length of time. Um, Ardman Animations is, is kind of, it still holds a lot of draw for me. Uh, like Mark said, The Wrong Trousers is just an absolutely hilarious, hilarious uh, movie. Um, I think I think Ardman Animations is is a better representative of what Britain has to offer the world than rugby. So I'll go for Ardman. Ardman Animation is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Neil, this one is yours. It is William Shakespeare versus history. Um, yeah. Now the history one was a bit bit odd. Um, we have a lot of history, but if we're talking about Best of Britain. Well, Britain didn't come into uh, into effect until 1707. 
So we haven't actually got that much British history. Um, whereas Shakespeare, well, he is credited with creating over 1,500 new words and thousands of phrases that are now completely commonplace and everyone knows what they mean, like, I've made some notes, uh, a laughing stock, eaten out of house and home, uh, in stitches, send him packing, and so on and so forth. So, you know, simply for what he's done to English um, is enough for, for Shakespeare to go on for me. Uh, vote for Shakespeare. Mark? Okay. I mean, the, the UK does have uh, a lot of long and varied history. Um, I'm not sure whose pick this was. I mean, yeah, we, it's, it's an interesting one, but as Neil had said, Shakespeare had invented hundreds and hundreds of words and phrases. In a pickle is the one that everyone understands, and that, that's a Shakespearean term. And a lot of people said that he stole his ideas from uh, other races and other cultures and uh, from other stories, but you know, there are very few unique ideas out there. And he's written, he's written some fine work, and even, even centuries later, his stuff is still performed, so it's William Shakespeare for me. Bunny. Um, who did pick the history one? Seriously, be specific, people. Who? It was me, Paul. Oh, right. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, I picked William Shakespeare, so you can see where this is going. <laughs> um, everyone studies Shakespeare at school, and most recently, um, Joss Whedon's gotten in on the act of Shakespeare and has redone his Much Ado About Nothing. I personally love Shakespeare. Patrick Stewart's performed Shakespeare. Um, it is quintessentially British, and that's where my vote's going. Chris? Um, uh, yeah, history, history can be quite subjective. If we're talking about the, the history of the, the island group that we're sat on, it's, it's an immense history of you know conquerors and, and raiding and uh, kings, queens, you know, a, a great history that I, I think I think that Shakespeare again. Shakespeare t tends to travel the world a little bit more. Uh, he he's a, a greater example of of things that are British that that other people around the world can relate to, and and is still stays a, a quintessentially British thing. You know, um, I appreciate that 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 the history is is all important in this in this island that we live on but I, I think that Shakespeare just pops his head above it Paul uh, well as I said I, I put history on the list and maybe to explain a bit about what I meant was in a lot a lots of British towns with the exception of a few you can walk down the street and you can pass a building that is one year old or you can pass a building that's 800 years old and I think uniquely in some parts of Britain, you walk down streets and see kind of the modern and the traditional and the old blend together in really quite a magnificent way that in other places in the world, you do see historical sites. Um, but I would say that Britain is unique in the way that, that tradition, history and modernism kind of mix into one. Um, also, there is, you know, the the histories and the the far back history of Britain. I think that history is one of the things that gives 
a country that, um, you know, a- Americans are are very very proud of the, their history and are again a, a country that doesn't really have a particularly long history, certainly compared to the British and the British themselves, compared to other world nations, do not have a particularly long history. They do have a very coloured and varied one that I actually think is a, is something to be very proud of. So I'm going to go with history. Plus, I hated doing Shakespeare in school, so he can piss off. But he is pissing off into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Uh, Mark, this one is yours. It is the writer, Grant Morrison, versus Sir Isaac Newton. Okay, I had no idea who Grant Morrison was, so I had to look him up. He's a writer or a comic book artist, is that correct? He is a writer of comic books, yes. Okay. Um, He's probably done some really cool stuff. Um, You know, fair credit to him. But Isaac Newton discovered the laws of motion, the laws of gravity. Um, And as he says in the Star Trek episode, don't lecture me, sir. I invented physics. It has to be Isaac Newton. Bunny. Um. Yeah, I'm the same as Mark, really. I didn't know who Grant Morrison was, and I had to look him up myself. Um, But comic book writer versus guy that discovered gravity, for me personally, is Isaac Newton. There's no competition. Uh, Chris? I, I've recently gone on a, a on a huge Batman binge where I've been going out and buying as many graphic novels as I can get my hands on and just absorbing the things and and I and I've been drawn towards Grant Morrison's work. I've I've been really enjoying it and I just you know went onto the internet to find out what else he'd done and stuff like that and then realised that he was a Scot and I was like this he's a Scot who's writing Batman in such an incredible way that it's really drawing me into the character and I'm really enjoying all of the all of the output that he's done and he is so unfortunate to come up against isaac newton if i mean i i could probably make a case for him having my pick against anything else in this entire bracket but you know it's it's such a disparity between a, a guy who writes really good comics and someone who changed the face of physics um it's just no contest really it's isaac newton paul uh, I've always kind of been aware of Grant Morrison because of the kind of Scottish connection. He's he, he features quite heavily on kind of news and geek media here just because of the fact that he's so successful and and he's Scottish. But I think he I think he actually lives in America now. Um, but kind of like Mark and Bunny have said, guy that writes comics up against someone like Isaac Newton, especially being a fan of science, uh, it does doesn't stand up so isaac newton neil um yes it's, it's gonna be a whitewash um you know he isaac newton when he was working at his laws of motion didn't have the mathematics to explain what he wanted to explain so he invented calculus um as almost an aside to uh to the work that he was doing so it, it's got to be isaac newton and Sir Isaac Newton, uh, inventor of the Fig Newton, is moving on. That, that's oh, a... God. <laughs> what? What? He didn't invent the Fig Newton? It's a great oh, cookie. He, he may have done. It's, it's actually not a cookie. It's, it's a little moist thing with cake. But uh, Sir Isaac Newton is moving on. Grant Morrison goes down in flames. We are on to our next fight. Bunny, this one is yours. It is Sir Charles Darwin versus Penny Sweets. 
Okay, well, I've eaten a lot of penny sweets in my time. However, I'm going to continue on with the I am a scientist thread. And not only am I a scientist, I'm a biologist. I did my biology degree. I then did a microbiology, MSc. Um, so it's got to be Charles Darwin for me. Also, he's on our money, people. Who could not vote for him just because he's on our money? Charles Darwin all the way. Chris? I, I, I too have eaten uh, my fair share of penny sweets. And the older you get, the more disappointing they come and the less of them you get for your penny. Uh, Darwin was incredibly brave, um, not only in uh, in the expeditions that he went on because they weren't easy. You know, he he didn't he didn't go over there. It wasn't a bed of roses going going to the uh, the new world and and exploring and seeing what he could find, and also in actually publishing his papers. Um, you know, that in it, in a different time he would have been hung, drawn, and quartered as soon as they they landed on the publisher's desk. So uh, I'll vote for Darwin. Paul. I think it's Chris to said uh, Darwin in the time he was writing these papers, even though he wouldn't be hung, drawn and quartered, certainly it was a major, major thing to come out and publish the, the writings that he did, uh, not just professionally, but personally with his wife being a, a devout Christian. Um, essentially, what he was doing was slapping God in the face. Um, as far as his wife saw it, I believe. Uh, but she did stand by him professionally uh, and personally. Um, Penny Sweets, probably the uh, main reason I learned how to count, because getting kind of 50 pence pocket money, having to count to 50 and the uh, jar and Aris McCall's kind of really helped my early math skills. But I don't think they really stand up against Charles Darwin. So Darwin it is. A uh, vote for Darwin, uh, Neil. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a, another vote for for Darwin. It um, his his theories, which he he, he sat on for for many years because he was so uncomfortable with what he'd um, uh, what he'd come up with. Um, once they were published and and became accepted, they're broadly accepted across the educated world uh, as being central to all life on Earth. So. It's uh, is Darwin for me. Is it a clean sweet, Mark? It certainly is. I mean, I, I love penny sweets. We all do. I've eaten more than my fair share like everyone. But Charles Darwin, he discovered evolution, a, a, a scientist of, of immense accomplishment and, as everyone has said, is bravery. So, Charles Darwin. Uh, vote for Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin is moving on. We're at the last fight of the first round. Chris, this one is yours. It is Tim Berner Lee, Tim Berners Lee, versus my unknown pick, which is uh, you guys renaming things because you couldn't pronounce them. Like, I, and I mean by things, I mean countries. Like, hey, yeah, we can't pronounce that, so you're now this. So that's what I'm. That's my other unknown. Well, my unknown pick. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, guy, what invented internet versus some what like Japan? We couldn't we couldn't say the word of J- name Japan. Japan, so Hong Kong. Uh, what is it? Germany is Germany, not Deutschland. Not Deutschland. <laughs> yeah, I I think that that's actually an incredibly wonderful British thing to do. Um, because you know if if you're if you're spreading out an empire across the world, the last thing that you want to use do is call places by what the locals call them by. Let's let's call them by something new. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to go for that. <laughs> uh, Paul? Um, I'm pretty much going to echo Chris's thoughts on this. Why, uh, why go what other people can say when you can make up the rules yourself? So the renaming thing. Uh, another vote for the renaming thing. I think that's what I'm going to call it. Neil? Um, well, uh, Tim Berners-Lee and myself both worked for the same company. Uh, no, not at the same time. And he was a, a, a very uh, modest um, computer engineer who took a, a contracting work at CERN. And you know, lo and behold, he creates the World Wide Web. But more importantly, he gave it to the world for free. There was no preparatory uh, information there. It was an open standard. And it was, here you go, world, you know, take this and run with it. And without that, you know, we might still be stuck in uh, an AOL walled garden type internet. Who knows what it would be, but it would certainly be different. So it's it's Tim as my vote. A vote for Tim Berners-Lee. Mark? Okay, well, the whole renaming thing, I mean, yeah, the British Empire was built on that. But so Tim Berners-Lee, he invented the World Wide Web, as, and as Neil so, you know, Put it so well. He gave it for free. He didn't want to make any profit out of it. He said, "Okay, this is this open system, and just think about how much the web has revolutionised the way we do business, the way we interact with each other." It's got to be Sir Tim. Definitely. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Bunny. Which one is moving on into the next round? Well, I have to think of it like this, really. If I didn't have the internet, what would I do? Um, I literally don't know. So, given the fact that my pretty much my whole life depends on the internet, I'm going to go with Tim. Tim Berners-Lee is moving on, and your your awesome colonialism uh, is that what they call that? What is we it do. called? We do now. To be to be fair, uh, yeah. Americans changed people's names when they came to this country, so <laughs> that's for the exact same they reason. They don't get to know that. That's they why my family was Rosella instead of Vizelli, because he couldn't pronounce Vizelli. That, that's all. That all stems from England. That's an English tradition of renaming things. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Uh, Tim Berners Lee is moving on. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. The sun and the rain fell from up above and landed on the earth below in my garden of love. Now there's a rose for the way my spirits rose when we met. Forget me not to remind me to remember not to forget A pine tree for the way I pined over you And an ash for the day I asked you to be true And the sun and the rain fell from up above And landed on the earth below garden of love Now there's a palm tree that we planted when we had our first date 
a turnip for the way you always used to turn it late. Your mother and your cousin Chris, they often used to come. So in their honor, I have raised a nice Chris and the mum and the sun and the rain fell from up above and landed on the earth below in my garden of love. Now there's a beetroot for the day you said that you'd be true to me, a sweet pea for the sweet way you always smiled at me. But you had friends who needed you. There was Ferdy, there was Liza. So just for them, I put down a load of fertilizer. And the sun and the rain fell from up above and landed on the earth below in my garden of love. But Gus, the gardener's left now, and you went with him too. The fungus there reminds me of the fungus he's having with you. Now the rockery's a mockery, with weeds it's overgrown. The fuchsia's gone, I couldn't face the fuchsia all alone. And my tears fell like raindrops. From the sky above, and poisoned all the flowers in my garden of love. survive the con of wrath? Hey, this is Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek from treklandblog.com, and the con of wrath is both real history and the title of my documentary about it, the most glorious failure in Star Trek history. No, seriously, the ultimate fantasy, Star Trek's first rock concert of a show, Houston 1982, where the original cast, nationwide fans, and local crew all helped turn this incredible meltdown into a miracle. But what did happen that weekend, and do we even know why today? Well, you can read all about it at conofwrath.com and see how you can donate to preserve this wacky, wonderful corner of Trek history. All donors get a screen credit and rewards. Oh, and if you're a survivor, like Walter Koenig, Hard Bennett, and Wendy Doohan, let us know your tales, too. Thanks a lot, guys. This is Mistress Genevieve, M-S-G-E-N-E-V-I-E-V-E dot com, and you are listening to Geek Fights. Mr. Ortiz, are you back? I'm pretty sure we're still recording. Yeah. So, but everybody else is here. The ones that count are here. Oh, but Mike just went to away status. Does that mean he's away? Or is he there? I don't know. <clears throat> righto, righto. <coughs> pip, 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 pip. I, I know. Offensive. I don't care. <laughs> and we're back doing what we do every week of the gold darn year. Coming at you with Jarrett Formby trademark geek cred. This is where we find out a little bit about the panelists and uh, 
you know, who they are and stuff. I'm going to go to Chris because he's been on here a hundred thousand times and he's the, well, what, what's your geek cred? Uh, my geek cred is I've been on here a hundred thousand times. And I'm the token Brit who's no longer the token Brit. I've got a whole panel full of them and it's awesome. There we go. Uh, Paul, another person who's actually been on the show before. Uh, what is your geek cred, sir? Uh, my geek cred is I work with computers all day and I do a Star Trek podcast, which is probably one of the geeky geekiest things you can do. So that's why. Uh, I guess I guess it's one of the geekiest things you could do. You I think know. I think geek fights is the geekiest thing you can do. Well, I've done no. it before, so there you go. No, no, it's it's not. It's not. Sitting in your, your basement yelling at the internet is the geekiest thing you could possibly do. At least that's my personal opinion. Uh, Neil, what is your geek cred, sir? Uh, my geek cred, well, this is my podcast cherry that I'm popping here. I've, um, I've never been on a podcast before. Um, my geek cred is I work in microelectronics. That's so creepy. Are you making bombs, Neil? Are you are you making bombs for the terrorists so they can win? So they can win, goddamn it, America. <laughs> um, no, Mark. I'm not making bombs. Uh, Mark, what is your geek cred, sir? Um, well, I'm an IT geek. I work in IT. It is my profession, and I also uh, help run a Star Trek podcast. I'm also one of the people who helped set up the Trekmate Family Network, of which Chris and Paul are members. Thank you very much. And Bunny, what is your geek cred? Me, token girl of the British panel for British Invasion. Um, I didn't know I needed geek like credits. Who makes this up? Um, I'm a microbiologist. Um, have a degree in it. So I'm back. says my degree. Who's back? Uh, Mike said he was back during uh, during that. Sorry. Thanks, Go Mike. ahead. Sorry. I'm, I'm a microbiologist. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> I'm not going to talk now. Way, way to take a, a, a 10 minute break there, Mike. You know how the British are. They're very, very, very regular. They, they went on their, their break and they came back. They queued up and ready to go again. Jesus, Mike. Typical American. Of course, we're both overweight. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and are you, are you even going to talk now, Mike, at all? Did you walk away from the computer again? Goddamn asshole. Let's jump back into the fights. Uh, Paul, this one is yours. It is Peg Frost and Wright versus Hello, the Queen. Um... <sighs> This is more difficult than I thought it would be. I think I think Bonnie made a very good point about the the Queen or the royal family and, and tourism because you go down to London, you go to Buckingham Palace, and it's absolutely packed out with people there just just to see the palace, but obviously hoping they'll get a glimpse of the Queen. Obviously, uh, uh, where where I stay up in Edinburgh, there's Holyrood Palace, which is the Queen's official residence while in Edinburgh, and that attracts many many tourists. Uh, there's Bar Moral, which is their Highland estate, which again attracts a lot of tourists. Um, and I think that the Queen is one of the things that makes Britain Britain, especially in the eyes of 
foreign visitors. Um, so I might say the Queen. Yes, I will say the Queen. A vote for the Queen. Uh, Neil? Uh, well, it's it's not going to be a vote for the Queen for me because, as I said earlier, I'm I'm a Republican. The tourism argument is is interesting, but the the most uh, popular tourist attractions in the UK that generate the most amount of income for the UK um, aren't royal residences. But what a lot of them are are ex royal residences, which have been opened up so the public can come and see them. So the argument is that maybe Buckingham Palace and Windsor Castle and, uh, and Balmoral would generate an awful lot more income if they were um, they weren't occupied by royalty, and and people could come and, and see them and and look at the art and uh, you know and take in that splendour. Um, so yeah, my vote has got to go with uh, Peg Frost and Wright, simply because they're not the Queen. Mark. Okay, well, I'm going to agree with Paul and um, just say that obviously the tourism thing you cannot you can argue about the tourist uh, the tourism argument either way. Um, there are portions of Buckingham Palace where you, you can actually go in and see it. And if you're talking about something which is quintessentially British, then it would have to be our royal family and the Queen. So I'll go with the Queen. God save the Queen. Bunny? I'm going with the Queen. That's all I have to say, really. The Queen. Woo. Chris? I, I think that uh, both of these are... Are oh, very very good examples of of good of good Britishness. The the Queen um, does stand out as a symbol of the of the of of Britain and, and the British Empire, and she is on currency all over the world, Australia and Canada, and uh, in the Caribbean and stuff like that. Uh, Peg Peg Frost and Wright um, are, are a kind of a kind of a new wave of British comedy that's sweeping the world. Um, I'll, I'll go. I'll I'll stick a vote towards Peg Frost and Wright. But I don't mind that the Queen might go through. Uh, no might about it. The woman who jumped out of a helicopter to land in in, in uh, what, what, where was that? Where was she? Where did she land for the Olympics? But I know she jumped out of the helicopter with James Bond, and I, I think that was amazing. Uh, the Queen is moving on. We are on to our next fight, uh, Neil. This one is yours. It is Sir Patrick Stewart versus the NHS. Um. Okay, so I didn't vote for for Patrick Stewart last time. He he is a great actor. I had I saw him when he was still in the Royal Shakespeare Company many many years ago, um, and he was a very um, commanding performance. But the NHS is is fantastic. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, the th- things like prescription uh, prices being capped at whatever they are seven eight pounds, which means that the doctor can prescribe me hundreds of pounds worth of medicine and it's going to only cost me uh, eight quid. Um, and it's, it's not a worry for me. I have m- many friends from around the world who are, who are concerned about getting ill because they don't know how they'll pay for it. Well, that's not something that we have to consider here. It is a triumph. It's one of the largest employers in the world. It's the NHS. Mark. Okay, this is a tough one. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Patrick Stewart, big fan of Star Trek. I think he's a, a fantastic actor, uh, and a lot of you know the, the work he speaks out about um, domestic abuse, etc., is is you know very admirable. 
But the NHS, uh, as Neil had said, you know, I know I, I don't have to worry about getting sick. I don't need to worry about how I'm going to pay if I am sick or one of my children are sick. I know we, we do pay for the NHS indirectly through taxes, etc. But at the point of delivery, I know that I will be taken care of. So it has to be the NHS for me. Bunny. Well, as much as I love Patrick Stewart, um, the line will be drawn here. Drawn here. And I am going to go with the NHS because in terms of quintessentially British, something that the British have um, that not many other places do have um, is something that we should be proud of. And I think that that's that. NHS for me. I was kind of hoping you were going to go. The line was drawn here. No further. And started that. quoting. He started quoting Patrick Stewart from First Contact. Um, uh, Chris. Patrick Stewart does does bring a a level of of quality to pretty much pretty much anything that he's in. Um, but but Bunny hit a nail on the head. Really, the NHS is something that we should be proud of as as british people it's something that um is i i couldn't imagine what it must be like without it you know having having a child or something like that 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 you just you know you're gonna have to keep money aside to go and get antibiotics or or something like that it just it just seems like a a, a crazy notion so i will have to vote for the nhs you know, quit, quit, keep rubbing it in. Just keep rubbing it in. It's fine. No big deal. Uh, Paul, is it a clean sweep? Uh, I think it's going to have to be because as much as I like Patrick Stewart, on the day where something does happen to me, like I have a pint and my liver explodes or I have a heart attack through too many chippies, Patrick Stewart's not going to be there giving me the kiss of life, but the NHS is, so the NHS. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Patrick Stewart does actually do that. He will come to your house and give you the kiss of life. All you have to do is ask. Being somebody from the UK, I thought I thought everybody knew that's what he does. He only does that thing. here. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not yeah. know that. In in the UK, we get highly professional trained people from the NHS, and over there, you get Patrick Stewart right. instead. Yeah. Oh, we still have to pay him, though. Oh, yeah. we It's, it's a fucking fortune. But it's amazing. He does a little Shakespeare too, uh, and occasionally, occasionally he does uh, uh, Dickens. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, the NHS is moving on. You know, We're on. Al- right Alan's now. gonna love this. Star Trek was beaten by Obamacare. <laughs> He's gonna hate it. Uh, Mark, this one is yours. It is T versus sarcasm. Oh dear! This was the one I was hoping wouldn't come up. <sighs> the British solution to all problems versus sarcasm one of the the things that we do best better than any other country in the world I'm since it keeps me in employment as much as it pains me to say it as much as I love sarcasm I'm going to have to go for tea I'll vote for tea bunny right well yeah we don't grow tea here in the UK, do we? No. Right. But we grow sarcasm. Sarcasm is a homegrown delight. 
the British are good, just good at really drinking tea. And I am a British person that doesn't drink tea. Um, oh, therefore, I'm going to go with sarcasm. A vote for sarcasm. Chris? Uh, it's, it, this is, I, it sounds ridiculous, but this is really tough. It's tea, which is awesome, versus sarcasm, which gets me through the day. If I if 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 there was some sort of weird quirk of the universe and sarcasm didn't exist and everybody was genuine about everything, the world would be a much more boring place. Whereas if there was a quirk of the universe and tea didn't exist, I would just drink coffee all the time. So my vote will go with sarcasm. Good job, Chris. Paul? Uh, well, as Chris just quite rightly put it, if there wasn't tea, there'd still be coffee. If there wasn't sarcasm, then there's just no other humor that's quite like it. So in that way, I'm going to say sarcasm's more unique than tea. So I'll have sarcasm with two sugars, please. A vote for sarcasm. And Neil? Um, I, I think tea is a very broad term, and it, it has a tendency, especially outside of, of the UK, to include all sorts of herbal and fruity infusions that, that really doesn't mean the same as a cup of tea does to, to the people in the UK. Whereas sarcasm and, uh, and on our particular own brand of ironic sarcasm is what it is. And as I can't stand fruity teas, I'm going to go, and I love all types of sarcasm, I'm going for sarcasm. Sarcasm is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Bunny, this one is yours. It is <laughs> Sir Winston Churchill versus uh, Bird's Eye Potato Waffles. Oh God, I don't know what to do. Someone help me. Help me. <laughs> oh, but I love, I love waffles so much. Just because they are waffly versatile. How could no one... Oh. But Winston Churchill is probably one of Britain's one of the greatest figureheads that Britain's ever had. So, I guess Winston Churchill, if he were around now, he probably would have liked waffles. So, I'm going to go with Churchill. A vote for Churchill. Chris? Churchill is a, a great Briton. He is one of those people that, that will always stand out in the annals of history as being a leader of a country when a country needed a leader. But Bird's Eye have now brought out Bird's Eye hash brown potato waffles, which are hash browns in waffle shape. And that blew my mind. I could not understand the concept of it. It's a hash brown in a waffle shape. You, why would you do this to me? And I have eaten bags and bags of the things because they're so awesome. Bird's eye, potato waffles gets my vote. A vote for potato waffles. Uh, Paul? Uh, I think I'll sum it up like this. Churchill summarizes and is a figurehead for what was great about Britain. Bird's eye potato waffles represent what is great about Britain. And I live in the here and now, and thus waffles win. Uh, yes. vote. Waffles, waffles, waffles. <laughs> vote for potato waffles. Neil. 
Uh, I've got to echo what people are saying about potato waffles. They are uniquely uh, versatile. You can you can cook them with with anything. Um, I like the idea of the, the fish finger and waffle sandwich that uh, I think Paul came up with earlier. That sounds it fantastic. Mark. It's Mark. That that it sounds awesome. fantastic. It is fantastic. Mm. Um, but Winston Churchill was fantastic as a as a war leader. He was uh, an incredible author. If you if you've ever read his books, histories of the English speaking peoples, it is you know it is incredible. And he got the Nobel Prize for Literature for it. I couldn't live with myself if I let mashed up potato comestibles go through on this one. So it's got to be Churchill for me. It is all tied up, which is a statement that shouldn't be. It comes down to you, Mark. Okay, I love bird's eye potato waffles, and I'm with you, Chris. Those hash brown things, they are one of the most amazing things, other than a doner kebab calzone that I've ever eaten. But if it weren't for Winston Churchill, we wouldn't have bird's eye potato waffles. We'd be eating German sausages. It's Winston Uh, Churchill for me. Kartoffel waffle. Kartoffel waffle, yeah. A vote for Winston Churchill. Uh, so it hurts me so because I wanted potato waffles to go through, even though I've never had one before. Winston Churchill is moving on. We're on to our next fight. It is Michael Faraday versus Queuing. Chris, that one is yours. Uh, it's another tricky one. To a point, it's a tricky one because I, I think that, that the ability to cue it. It must be something genetically bred into every British person as as soon as they they enter the world or they they join our wonderful British community. It's just something that that we do so well in comparison to the rest of the world. I mean, you, you, when I went to Euro Disney many moons ago, this the, the queue in is just oh, it's completely out of order and it puts you back up and. I, I, I'm not down with this strange continental queuing style where they all push in and they hold places for each other and stuff like that. But but Faraday, just uh, what would we be queuing for if if Faraday hadn't done the work that he'd done with electricity? I I don't know, so I will go with uh, with Faraday. A vote for Faraday. Queuing is better. Uh, Paul. Um. I think Chris pretty much hit the the nail on the head with this one. Queuing is something that you have to do, whereas electricity is kind of created everything in the world that I want to do. So I'm going to go with Faraday. A vote for Faraday. Uh, Neil? Well... The ability to queue is uniquely British, and we are extraordinarily good at it. Like Chris said, it's an innate part of, of Britishness. It's, you know, we just form orderly lines, and we know how it works, and um, we know the, the unwritten rules. It, it is a great weakness for us when we in, come into contact with uh, cultures that don't queue. If you go to Europe and you are, you're doing the British thing of queuing orderly, you get eaten alive by the Germans and the Austrians and the French. Um, so it is, it's a strength at home. It's a weakness abroad. Uh, and, you know, because my, my employee is entirely due to the work that Faraday did, uh, the guy was effectively unschooled and 
taught at sorry he learned his trade at, at the feet of uh, of Humphrey Davy and um all of his uh, discoveries came from his own hard work um it's it's got to be Faraday another vote for Faraday uh Mark okay well queuing was my pick and as everyone said it's something that the british do uniquely we all understand those unique unspoken rules of an orderly queue but Michael Faraday, all of his work with electricity. I mean, you, you can't underestimate his place in in our history and what he did did for the world. So it's Faraday. Another vote for Faraday. Uh, Bunny, is it a clean sweep? It is. I'm going with Faraday. Faraday moving on to the next round. Next fight is yours, Paul. It is Chippies versus Ardman Animations. Well, Ardman Animations uh, has brought joy to many, many people, myself included. But Ardman Animations will eventually go away and they will their programming and their movies will eventually just become part of history. Whereas Chippies, I think, will survive until the human race dies, because we're always going to need chippies. Uh, and for that reason, it's chippies. Neil? Um, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, fish and chips is, is something that we all grew up with. There's um, memories evoked by the smell of, uh, of salt and vinegar and um, hot paper and... It's got to be fish and chips. A vote for chippies. Mark. Well, I've enjoyed the Ardman films, but there are a few things I've enjoyed more than a really, really good chippy. And I know I will continue them until the day I die. It's got to be chippies. Bunny. Right. Um, well, I have to kind of think about what's more. What do I need more in my life? If I didn't have Ardman animations, what would I do? Well, I'd probably watch more Star Trek. What would I do if I didn't have chippies? Well, I'd probably starve. So I'm going to go with chippies. Chris, is it a clean sweep for chippies? Uh, it probably will be. There's there's something very strange about about the call to go to a chippy. Whether it's whether you've been out at the pub or something like that, and you know it. Do you want to go chippy on the way home? There's, or you're at home and someone in the house says, oh, "Do you want to get chippy for tea?" There's something childlike in the pleasure that you get from the the. We're going to the chip shop. That's going to be awesome, and I'm going to get this and this and this, and you get the same sort of effect from Ardman, but you don't get it on such a regular basis. Whenever, whenever there's the call goes out, we're off to the chippy. Something visceral happens inside of you, and it's a, a feeling that you can't recreate with any other sort of food substance. So I will go with chippies. Uh, chippies. Into the next round. On to our next fight. Neil, this one is yours. It is Will Sir William Shakespeare versus Sir Isaac Newton. Um okay this is a this is a really tough one. I'm I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. Um but also uh, I'm a, a scientist so Newton I don't think there's anybody in, in, in British history in, uh, in the sciences who've done more for 
the modern age. Um, and as this is geek fights, um, it's important to remember that that we tend to think of Isaac Newton as um, laws of motion and gravitation, but he did an awful lot of work with optics. And that work led directly to uh, development of tunable lasers. And without tunable lasers, there'd be no fiber broadband. There'd be no fiber optic communications between nations. And so, you know, it, it from a geek perspective, it, it has to be Newton. A vote for Sir Isaac Newton. Uh, Mark. Okay, so Newton and Shakespeare, two giants from their respective fields. Um, you know, one from science, one from art. A lot of respect for what Shakespeare did, but Isaac Newton, laws of motion, gravity, optics, as Neil put it. It's got to be Isaac Newton. He's definitely the geek choice. A vote for Isaac Newton. Bunny. Well, I keep doing the I'm a scientist thing, um, but... You are. I, yeah, I am a scientist. <laughs> I don't deny this. Um, but this is so difficult for me because I love Shakespeare. I love art. It's a weird side um, of me that I love that is it doesn't really mesh well with science. Um, oh, God. I... I think I'm. I think my heart is telling me that I have to go with Shakespeare, even though it won't go through to the next round. I just know that, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Shakespeare. I I've enjoyed watching it. I've enjoyed reading it. So for me personally, yeah, I'm, I'm throwing science away for the moment. I'm going with Shakespeare. Chris, uh, I think Shakespeare has given the world an incredible amount of pleasure. But I'm going to pull out the profession card again. Uh, for myself, I, I work in thin film optics. No Newton, no job. Isaac Newton gets my vote. Paul? Uh, I think Bunny raises an interesting point with Shakespeare that as geeky people in, in general, and we're probably all sci-fi and TV program fans, and really that framework of turning an idea into your head and putting it down on paper or turning it into something that the a mass audience can enjoy is is probably you look at Shakespeare and he's the father of that. Um, however, I would like to kind of nod my cap at Shakespeare, but I still have to go with Newton just for if you look look him up in any kind of book or on Wikipedia. It's it isn't just the laws of motion. It isn't just the work he done in optics. He was just an incredibly interesting and gifted man who could probably have put his hand to any field and become a world class expert in it. Uh so Newton. And Sir Isaac Newton, inventor of the Fig Newton is moving no. on. <laughs> Why do you say no? He's, no, he didn't. He didn't invent them. I, I think he I, did. I don't. I don't think that can, that uh, fig-based confectionery was Newton's strong point. Uh, well, it was. That's that's what he's known for here in the United States. Thank you very much. Inventing the fig, Newton. America. America. <laughs> We're on to our next Fuck fight, you. Mark. <laughs> Mark, this one is yours. It is Sir Charles Darwin versus Tim Berners-Lee. 
Uh, okay. Oh, th well, this is reasonably tough. I mean, I love the internet. I use the internet every day. But in terms of scientific advancement and the, the, the scientific investigation that Charles Darwin did and the sheer bravery for putting out a theory which he knew he knew he was going to get put down and destroyed for and he was mocked for decades and still is by a lot of idiots out there in the world. I'm going to have to go with Charles Darwin. A vote for Charles Darwin Bunny. Right, well, being the only biologist on the panel, I kind of have to go with Darwin. And I'm going with Darwin not only because I feel like I have to, but because I fully 100% believe in what he tried to prove. And I say tried because in one of his books, it does actually state at the beginning that if this theory is not proven within 100 years, disregard it, which it's been well over 100 years now and people are not disregarding this at all, which is the theory of evolution. Yeah. Um, I believe 110% in it. There's, there's nothing else I can say. I mean, this is, to me, he's like my God. So I'm going with Charles Darwin. Chris? See, the, the easy vote for me would be to vote, vote, vote for Darwin for, for what's just been said and, and what I said in the last round and stuff like that. But I, I don't want to dismiss um, Tim Berners-Lee's um, his, his influence on the world. I mean, where would pornography be right now without the World Wide Web? <laughs> Where would it be? Uh, uh, what sort of world would we live in? Who knows? Who knows? I you'd, like still have to, you'd still have to go down to the news agents and buy a copy of Razzle. Exactly. And, and who wants to do that? Yeah. The embarrassment, you know, the, the hiding it under your jacket when you leave. I mean, I only did it this morning, so I, I've got a good uh, idea of what's going on. I'll, I'll vote for Tim Berners-Lee because I think that this world that we live in is, is his world. You know, the, the information age is, is all about his uh, willingness to to find a solution to a problem and then giving it to all of us. So I will go with uh, with Tim. Paul? Well, Chris raises an interesting point, what with the pornography and all. Um, I suppose Tim Berners-Lee, what we're really looking at from his ideas, kind of the, the evolution of the electronics and digital age as, as we know it, um, basically the internet is all encompassing and I think anyone in their personal and professional life uh, is affected by the internet every day. Um, but the effect that Darwin had on the world by his theories and evolution and his writing is just one of the greatest stories. I think that you, you could have essentially he was, really really kind of important not only for his theories and evolution but but for his bravery of academic knowledge over religion and for that i'm going to go with darwin a vote for charles darwin and neil uh, this, this is a, a, a tricky one it's it's clear to say, it's clear to see that um, that Darwin's work was immensely important, and and also it was it was mostly singular work. His work he did by himself, um, whereas Tim Berners-Lee built on uh, on infrastructure and on protocols that were already in place. So without Tim Berners-Lee, we would probably have, have an internet because 
you know, internet alt news groups and things were functioning before the World Wide Web came along. What Tim Berners-Lee did, uh, which I said previously, is he made it available to everybody. If this had been uh, some form of uh, preparatory, uh, it was owned by a company, then uh, and who knows what sort of uh, state the internet would be in um, at the moment. But I'm still having difficulty not going for Charles Darwin because the, the, the theory of evolution is, is, is enormous and uh, say widely accepted by everybody um, of, of an educated background. Um, but I'm going for Tim Berners-Lee. A vote for Tim Berners-Lee, but Charles Darwin is moving on. And what's funny is 100 years from now, I think it would be reversed. I think Berners-Lee would end up getting a lot more credit. I think it's because it happened within our lifetime that we aren't actually seeing the actually immensity of the giving it away for free. Uh, so, yeah. That, that's uh, because it'll be nothing but uh, machines at that point, and uh, they'll just laugh at the evolution thing. <laughs> our machine overlords. Uh, the Cylons Charles, are coming. Cylons are here, dude. Um, Charles Darwin takes the win. Uh, this next fight is for a spot in the final four. Bunny, this one is yours. It is the Queen versus the NHS. The Queen versus the NHS. Oh, God. No, the Queen and the NHS were both my picks, so this is really difficult. Um, now, hang on a minute. It's probably not. I'm going to go with the NHS. I'll vote for the NHS. Chris? Yeah, I had, I had the same thought process as Bunny. It's like, this is actually quite... No, it's not hard at all. It's the NHS. Paul? The question I'm asking, I am generally asking this as a question. I think I know the answer. Um, if the Queen was sick, would she use an NHS hospital? I am uh, going to... No. Yeah, no is the answer. Um, as I thought, she will probably use a, a private hospital. So, just, you know, the Queen is very, very British, but because she wouldn't use one of our great British institutions, then... She can piss off as well. The NHS. A vote for the NHS. Neil. Well, the Queen's not that British because she's, you know, part German. Um, we um, we have a, um, a a vision of of royalty in the UK, uh, and basically, it, it royalty suits what the nation wants it to be. Uh, and when it doesn't, we get rid of it. We, we've had two armed revolutions and one sort of peaceful rebellion where we just kicked out the king who was in power at the time and, and put in a, a different one, or, or for a period of time, no king at all. Um, now, the, both of these things um, cost me my taxes. Uh, one of them sits in a car and waves. The other one saves my life. So it's the NHS. Uh, Mark. Okay, well, the royal family is probably quintessentially British, and as Neil Whiteley points out, the, the Queen is actually part German, coming from the house of Saxe-Coburg-Gotha. But in terms of its impact on everybody's life here in the UK, it has to be the NHFs. They, they, they save people's lives every single day. There's, there's no question about it. It's the NHS. We say goodbye to the Queen. And the NHS is 
taking the first spot in the final four. Chris, this one is yours. It is sarcasm versus Churchill. I it's it's one of those it's one of these fights that that that's quite difficult because they're so desperate disparate from each other. Although Churchill was an expert at, at sarcasm and an expert at wit. So if I were to vote for Churchill, sarcasm would go along with him. And I think that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the most drunk, sarcastic Churchill you could imagine and vote for him. Uh, vote for Winston Churchill. Uh, Paul? Uh, if Churchill was a superhero, his power would come from sarcasm. Um, and in that kind of weird top Trump's logic, sarcasm wins. So sarcasm for me. Neil? Um, yeah, this is this is a, a tricky one, a, a sort of a humorous concept and or a, a great figure from our past. Um, I think I have to be consistent and, and say that, that, that Churchill should go through. He was uh, fantastically witty and huge uh, user of, of, of sarcasm. Um, so, as has rightly been said, without it, maybe he wouldn't have been quite so formidable a politician. But but he was formidable, and so Churchill goes through for me. Mark? For the same reasons as everyone's mentioned, uh, Churchill was a man of great sarcasm and wit. Therefore, sarcasm goes through anyway, but I'll stick in Churchill. Bunny, is it a clean sweep? Yeah, why not? Let's give Churchill another um, another victory. Churchill is in the final four. Paul, this fight is yours. It is Michael Faraday versus Chippies. Um, I think that one of the things that that we do best in this country is Chippies. Now, there is a distinct difference between an English Chippy and, and a Scottish Chippy. Um, mainly, Scottish Chippies seem to fry anything you could think of. So we kind of encompass all cultures. We take every nation's favourite dish nearly and fry it. Um, so you can go into a chip shop here and pretty much eat cuisine from around the world uh, with a Scottish twist in that it's battered and fried. Um, and that is one of the things I love about this country is it's kind of like a metaphor for, the, for Britain as a country. It's all different people from all around the world all in the fryer we call Britain. So, Chippies. A vote for Chippies. Neil? Yeah, this is going to be very difficult for me to to not vote for Faraday. But Chippies are, are fantastic. They, they encompass every aspect of, of British life. There are Chippies that are um, run out of converted houses. There is a chippy that's sort of 40 miles from us here that's run by a television celebrity chef. Um, it's it's going to be chippies. Another vote for chippies. Mark? Well, I mean, all of Faraday's work and, you know, it it's fantastic, all of his work in electricity and magnetism. But at the end of the day... I mean, I, I really like the, the point that Paul made about that the, the chippies are a metaphor for multiculturalism in a way, and they just taste amazing. 
So it's chippies. Bunny? Okay, I'm going to go back to my, the argument that I presented earlier. What do I need to survive? What fills me with joy a little bit and lights up my life? Well, unfortunately, I can probably live without light and electricity, but I kind of need food. And chippy is kind of a warming sense of, I don't know, you walk into a chippy and you kind of feel like you've achieved something. You've gotten somewhere and you know you're going to have like a good, good, well, if you find a good chippy, a good meal, which is kind of what you need at the end of a long day. So I'm going to go with chippy. Another vote for chippies. Chris, is it a clean sweep for chippies? You see, I, I was going to gonna throw a, a comedy vote to uh, to chippies because I thought Thar- Faraday was going to go through. So I'll stick a comedy vote in. And then, and then Paul pulled out the metaphor that, that chippy is, is, like, is like Britain. And, and it brought a lump to my throat. And it's so wonderful. Chip shops. Fish and chip shops, a.k.a. chippies, into the final four. And for the last spot in the final four, Neil, this one is yours. The inventor of the Fig Newton, Sir Isaac Newton. No! (laughs) Versus Sir Charles Darwin. Uh, Okay, that is a very, very tough matchup. Um, Darwin pretty much known only for his work with um, the theory of, uh, of evolution. He did a lot of important work on earthworms, apparently, which he devoted the rest of his life to. But Newton, um, as always already been said, he was a, a polymath. He turned his mind to mathematics, inventing calculus, optics, laws of motion, gravitation. Um, he spent the last years of his life um, Studying alchemy, turning base metals into gold, uh, and that's that's a pretty geeky thing. So it, it's got to be Newton for me. A vote for Newton, Mark. Okay, well, when I saw these picks, obviously I was worried that these two might come up against each other. Um, but as Neil said, I mean, Darwin. You cannot refute his theory, in my opinion, and I will argue those theories until the day I die, and I will argue with them with anyone. But because of all of his varied work and the fact that Isaac Newton could turn his hand to anything, he invented a form of mathematics, as Neil said, calculus. I'm going to have to go with Newton. Bunny. Right, so again, I hate maths. I hate everything that math stands for, even though we need maths and maths is all around us in our daily life. Um, yeah, hate it. I don't care about it. And given a choice, this isn't a choice for me because it will be Charles Darwin all the way. Chris? Uh, the, the points have been raised so far are very, are very good and very poignant. That, that Darwin, although a wonderful theory... Uh, and great writings and, and a great way that, that kind of changed the, the way that everybody eventually changed the way that everybody thinks about the world that we live on and stuff like that. I mean, Newton is the the last great Renaissance man. You know, he, he's, he should be thought of in the same sort of ways as da Vinci and Galileo and, and people like that. And perhaps he isn't. And, and maybe putting him through and, and giving my vote to him now will, will get people to... Uh, 
to to look at what he's done because because a great man. Paul, I kind of feel like if this was a computer game fight, then it would end in a double KO. Uh, in the respective fields, they are undoubtedly the two heavyweights. We don't really have any other challengers that can stand toe-to-toe with them. Um, and purely because I am more interested in physics than I am in biology, I'm going to choose Newt. A vote for the inventor of the Fig Newton. And the inventor of the Fig no! Newton... Why do you keep saying no? Sir Isaac Newton is in the final four. We've got the NHS versus Winston Churchill and Chippies versus the inventor of the Fig Newton, no. Sir Isaac Newton. Uh, Mark, this one is yours. It is the NHS versus Winston Churchill. Oh, okay. I was worried about this one. <sighs> okay, Winston Churchill led us through the war, one of our darkest hours, and is one of the one of the reasons why we were able to defeat Nazi Germany and free the world from fascism and tyranny and ultimately millions of lives were saved but the NHS was formed after um, Churchill uh, he was no longer the prime minister it then went to uh, to Clement Attlee went to a more much more of a socialist government and just think of the numbers of millions of lives that have been saved in the sort of 60, 70 years since the formation of the NHS. It's a tough one, but the NHS goes through for me. Bunny? Um, yeah, I, I agree with Mark. It is a tough one. Um, but for me, at the end of the day, I think it, it boils down to the fact that Churchill was one man. He was a great man and he led Britain through a tough time but he was one man. The NHS has helped so many people. Um, I think it's kind of in a different scale. Um, for that, I'm going to have to vote for the NHS. Chris? Uh, Bunny said something very interesting there, scale. Uh, and, and she's right. Uh, Winston Churchill, as a, as a leader of, of the country um, and, and for what he did, should not be discounted from this, this fight but because... A, a very, very great man who did incredible things under extraordinary circumstances. But if if you were to look at a watch and count every second, there's probably another life that the National Health Service is saving. You know, every hour, every, every minute of every hour of every day, someone is being saved or having their life made better by the NHS. So I will vote for the NHS. Paul? Um... I kind of look at it this way. Um, I think Churchill was was a great man, but I just don't see how you could vote against the NHS. So for that reason, the NHS gets my vote. Neil, is it a clean sweep? Um, yeah, this is um, it. It's an easy one for me. Um, Churchill is one of my heroes, and he was an incredible man, um, vast range of talents, but the NHS is is an incredible institution. It was a hugely brave um, undertaking by the government to effectively um, nationalise 
all the doctors, all the nurses, all the hospitals that were private institutions across the length and breadth of Britain. Um, and the doctors were very resistant. Um, but in the years since then, Britain's health has improved dramatically. Um, and and it, it remains um, a shining example of what socialism can do. It's it's helping out um, the, the least fortunate in the uh, uh, in your um, society uh, and sharing the costs amongst uh, amongst the nation. So it's the NHS for me. And the NHS is into the finals. What will it be up against, Bunny? This one is yours. It is Chippies versus the creator of the Fig Newton. No, Isaac Newton. Um. Okay, so, oh, so basically, you're telling me it's maths versus food. Um, maths versus food, and I hate maths, but oh, but I really love chippies, and I'm really hungry. Actually, thinking about it, this isn't helping. Um, I'm going down the chip here. Thanks. Me <laughs> <laughs> up some chips. <laughs> um, maths, food, chippies. Science. Oh, well, I've got to look at the overall grand scheme of things, I feel. And I think there really isn't competition apart from, you know, my hunger. Um, So let's go with the science on this one. Let's go with Newton. Uh, Vote for the inventor of the Fig Newton. Chris. See, I've, I've been on a few of these shows now and I very rarely vote with a look forward to what's the next to what the next matchup will be. But I am, would be absolutely intrigued by the NHS versus the nemesis of the NHS, fry food. So I'm going to have to vote for chippies. Paul? Uh, I think through, through personal experience, some of my fondest memories of being a kid where my mum kind of threw me whatever change she had left in her pocket at the end of the week. And saying, you know, run round to the chip shop and, and see what you can get for the money that's in your hand. Um, when friends come up to Edinburgh, I, I like like Mark said, one of my favourite things to do is go up to the chip shop, choose from the vast, vast menu of things you could possibly get and sit down together and eat the chippy straight out the bag. Because as any chippy goer knows, putting it on a plate, is just disgusting. You have to eat it out the paper bag. Um, And because they are such a massive, massive part of my life, both through current nutrition, if you can call it nutrition, and and past memories, I'm going to go for chippies. Neil? Um, Yeah, I I too have very fond memories of... uh, of visits to the, the chip shop when I was uh, when I was young, um, it's it's not quite such a pleasure now because um, the, the price of fish has gone up and up, and it's it's not um, it's not a cheap meal anymore, and um, and certainly living where I am now, the quality is is, is dubious. Um, whereas Isaac Newton has appeared on an episode of Star Trek, so it has to be Isaac Newton. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mark. Which one oh. is moving into the finals? Oh, Jesus. I, I, I really like 
Chris's point about fried food going up against the NHS. And I love food and I love chippies. But if I'm thinking about what is the greatest contribution to the world between these two, the greatest, greatest British contribution, chippies are huge here and they're, you know, they're important for the 60 million people who live here. There are, what, eight, seven, eight billion people on the planet and the work that Sir Isaac Newton did has had a direct influence on the entire planet. So I'm going to have to go for Sir Isaac Newton. Sorry, Chippy fans. That's I love, right. I love Chippies too. The inventor of the Fig Newton. No! What, what? Why do you keep saying no, Chris? I don't think he invented the Fig Newton. He did not invent the Fig Newton. Is a fig is a fig Newton like a fig roll? It's a fig Chris. roll, yes. It's it a is. fig roll. It's a fig it roll. Is, yes. It is not a fig roll. It is a fig Newton. You would. It's similar to a fig roll, yes. But it's a fig Newton. It's not really roll. It's kind of flat. Yeah. Okay. Are yeah. you sure it's not just a figment of your imagination? No, no, Ooh. no. It's not. It, it exists here. It was created in uh, Newton, Massachusetts, in the uh, late. 1800s. So Newton, Massachusetts was probably named after Sir Isaac Newton. No, no. Or the other way around. The other way around, yeah. But can I just say that that your knowledge of confectionery history is is quite impressive. It's called Wikipedia. Oh, Wikipedia, yes. I looked it up. (laughs) Uh, Just in case he didn't invent it, I was like, wait, no, he didn't invent it. Yeah, I looked it up a while ago, too, just to be safe. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking be- about putting it on there that it was invented by Isaac Newton because it is Wikipedia. Oh, that's right. I, I might actually do that a little bit later on today. But we are at the final fight. It is the national health care system versus Sir Isaac Newton. Mr. Christopher, Christopher Mitchell, this one is yours. Go right ahead. I, I think that this is an incredibly good fight for the best of Britain. Um, it, it shows... Uh, how resourceful we can be as a as a nation, as a group of nations, or however you want to think about it, um, that that we've got this shining beacon that that I think is an example to the whole world in in the NHS about how uh, if if you stick together and you and you trust in certain people with with your your money, you can get something as wonderful as the NHS. And on the other side, you've got someone like like Newton who formed ideas and and because of because of uh, the the sort of quite privileged life that he led he he was allowed to 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 sit around and just think and come up with the the basis of the modern world that we live in um it's it's a really really great fight and if the nhs wasn't around i might not be here because of you know many different things um but I definitely, I probably wouldn't be talking on this podcast if if Newton hadn't laid the groundwork for everything else that's coming out afterwards. So it's very difficult. I think I think that I'm probably going to sway towards Newton because of the influence that he actually has in modern science and medicine um, that's led to the NHS being the, the system and the service that it is now because of the work that he did with with you know, simple optics and things like that, you know, your eyesight and things that he did great work with. So I, I'm going to go with, with Newton, but big, big thumbs up to the NHS. A uh, vote for Sir Isaac Newton. Paul. Um, 
I think on this one that the NHS is something that is great in Britain. But what Newton has done is not only makes him a great British person, but the knowledge that he unlocked, let's say, has been a great gift to the whole world and not just Britain. So for that reason, I'm going to vote for Newton. Neil? Um, okay. Uh, I've been trying to think of how to sum these two things up. They are um, hugely important uh, icons in, in, uh, in Britain. Uh, Isaac Newton... You know, in the age of enlightenment was was a man who stood head and shoulders above uh, everybody else the national health service was uh, was a huge experiment in um, in, in socializing healthcare um, because it, it wasn't done anywhere in the world you know you paid for the doctor you paid for for the nurse you paid for the dentist um, taking that as a making it a public service was a was an enormous undertaking um, as far as its um, its reach across the world, um, I think other countries have taken aspects of it, um, but there are no other no countries that that really have embraced uh, an all inclusive, cradle to grave, free at the point of uh, of service NHS. And for for most of the modern world, it's probably too late for anybody to even attempt that. Um, so while it is fantastically important to us in, in Britain and anyone who visits us, because even a visitor here gets free treatment, um, Newton's impact on the globe was, um, was, was enormous and it's still being felt uh, even now. So it's Newton who gets my vote. Mark. Okay, right. These are two very, very worthy contenders for the final fight. And as Neil had said, the, I mean, the, the impact that the NHS has had on all of us here in the UK is amazing. And I don't think any other country now could pull this off. The fact that it was pulled off post-war and it was done probably on the cheap and it's just built up over the last 60 odd years, um, you know, is, is a testament to its success. I probably, you know, many of us here, we might not be here. I know my daughter wouldn't be here had it not been for the NHS. And for that, I am eternally grateful. But I'm going to go down on the point of contribution to the world at large. And Sir Isaac Newton has to be the pick for me. Bunny, is it a clean sweep for Sir Isaac Newton? Well, I, th I think everyone's made their argument and I can't really put together a better argument for, for both of these things. So I am going to go with Newton. It's got to be done. And Sir Isaac Newton is the best of England, the UK, Britain. But of course, we, as always, we are wrong. And this time it is very visible how wrong we are. And I was going to jokingly say America here, but it's actually queuing. Queuing is actually what wins because you guys... This is the most clean sweeps we have ever had. You all lined up together on so <laughs> many topics that it has to be queuing. Even though you would say, 
well, I don't really like that thing, but you're right. This thing does need to win. It's amazing. Queuing. That's how you build an empire, baby. It, it is. It's amazing. Uh, thanks for listening. Does anybody have anything they'd like to plug, Mr. Christopher Mitchell? I, I have, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've joined a new pod, a, a new podcast for me. I'm uh, officially one of the, the co-hosts, along with Bunny, of the 10 Forward podcast. So if you go uh, to the Trekmate website and look for 10 Forward, you'll find more content with me on it, which has got to be a good thing for the world. No, not really. Uh, it's Bunny. an awesome thing. Awesome. <laughs> Bunny, but anything from you? Me. Huh? Sorry? Anything to plug? Um, Ten Forward podcast and the Holodeck podcast from Trekmate. Go check them out. Um, doses of me and maybe that Chris Mitchell over there. Um, worth a listen. So yeah, drop on by Trekmate. Let's see. Uh, Mark. Okay, well, we're all members of the same podcast network, so we're probably all going to say this. But yeah, drop by uh, TrekmateFamily.com. You can check me out on the Trekmate on the what we call the main checkmate show it's just called checkmate um so give it a listen mr paul finch yes same again you can find me on the trackmate network i'm on the previously in the alpha quadrant podcast which is an enterprise podcast uh but our most recent episode which will be dropping this monday that will be monday the 19th uh features mark stamper so it does if you want to hear us both again. Um, and I think he, he and Adam, the other co-host, are in the same room, and I think they actually kiss and rub each other's leg live, live on the podcast. We do indeed. So that would be last Monday, because this is now Tuesday, the 27th. Magic! We're in the future. Uh, Neil, do you have any other podcasts that you're going to be on in the future, or anything that you would like to say, hey, look at this thing? Um, I have nothing. So my parting shot is stay in school and don't eat the yellow snow. Um, yellow snow is fucking delicious. Uh, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm an American, goddammit. I can do whatever I want. I got my goddamn freedom. Sorry. Sorry. It, it, Sorry. It, it is wee-wee. You're, you're eating the wee-wee snow. Wait, that was urine? Yeah, wee-wee. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm American. It was American urine, so I don't give a goddamn. It, it, was, it was Mexican urine. Oh, shit. Is that going to turn me Mexican? Yeah, you're now Mexican. <gasps> That's how it happened to me. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I, I think it had something to do with your father. Um, Let's see. Uh, special thanks goes to, well, the Chris Mitchell, uh, Karen, and uh, Christy Woke for the things they do on the internet. Mr. Uh, Jared Formby, for his amazing intros, you can check them out at www.heystartrek.net. Mike? You can find me on the Weekend Geek video show on YouTube, where we preview comics every week. You can find us at geekfights.net, where we have uh, links to our wiki, our Facebook page, uh, lists of long-lost show ideas we will never, ever do, uh, and uh, some fan fiction with Damon. And I think that's about all we have on the website. Uh, blah 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 blah. If you'd like to be on the panel, contact us at geekfights@gmail.com or on Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Geek Fights. Uh, and you know we still have what, like eight, seven, eight episodes left. 
So there's still slots uh, available. If you haven't been on, come on. Give it a shot. <laughs> I'm delirious now because I've been up for like 23 hours with naps in between. But yeah, I'm really, really tired. Um, What am I supposed to say here, Mike? I don't uh, that's remember. all it takes to join the Legion of Geeks. Our upcoming fights oh. are what? And I have no idea what Yeah, we don't know what the week. next ones are. I think, well, I, I still have to talk to Mr. John Champion, but I think it's going to be Christie's episode, which is uh, Werner Herzog versus Klaus Kinski. Uh, yeah, Michael so, wants to be on that one. Yeah, I know. I know Michael wants to be on that one. Uh, like, like I said, just waiting on Mr. John Champion. Uh, any and all ideas are welcome, but you can go to hell because this is America. Yeah, we we're, we're, we want. we're we're booked unless the Babylon Five fans cancel and screw things up again. Nope, nope, nope. We are doing a Babylon Five episode, even, even if it's just, just me. Here. I'll, I'll yep. come. I'll, I'll, I've never watched one episode, but I will join you for the Babylon all Five right. episode if I need to. You've never right. seen Babylon Five? It's awesome. There you go. There's one person. That's what they say. But when you're oh, like, yeah. hey. Come and talk about Babylon 5. They're like, oh, I haven't watched it in 20 years. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> it's so horrible. They, they, are the, uh, they are the worst of all science fiction geeks. Well, they are called the lurkers for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Because they're just there. Uh, until next time. Keep fighting the geek fight. Good night. Britain! Hi, gang! <laughs> Big Fig here, with that great new dance, the Newton. <laughs> Hit it, Hal. Gooey, gooey, rich and chewy inside. Golden, flaky, tender, cakey outside. Wrap the inside, and the outside is a good darn tootin'. So in the big, big Newton, is the tricky part. The big, big Newton. One more time. The big, big Newton. But I did think it was funny. I'm not even kidding about queuing. You people queue. You queued on this show. You yeah. did it the whole time. <laughs> we we acted with proper British decorum. That's what we, we did, did. Indeed. That's what we did. We're, we're not going to lower ourselves down to your level, are we? <laughs> American. Yeah, there was no spite either. It was a... No, no. It's it's it's. I I understand your point. It's very very valid. But I'm going to vote for the other thing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm voting for this because fuck you. <laughs> yeah, there that. was none of that none of that which is i actually need the chippy now as well i am uh, going for the chippy right now yeah i'm i'm really want to chippy well you guys have to hurry because don't you have another podcast to record in like two hours me yeah. myself and bunny have <laughs> well, let's go get your i don't i really want to don a meat calzone but i'll post you know. on markets it'll probably survive the, uh, the royal royal mail well no. it'll be fine no, we'll cover you it down. It'll yeah. be fine. It'll be just as good. And it did feel like you were rubbing the healthcare in. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting there going, you're like, how, how could any civilized country not? Well, we don't. Are we we, we, know, don't. we, we, we let don't our people have... die. Well, you're not a civilized country. So. No, of course not. We're Americans. Exactly. I'm not even joking. I, my, my joke, my, the joke was going to be the best thing to come out of Britain was America. That's what should won. America. But then I looked at how many clean sweeps you guys had, and it's like it's like twenty. Like it's a ridiculous amount of clean sweeps. <laughs> we are of you, one mind. <laughs> you will be assimilated. Yeah, we are the Brits. You will be assimilated. That's what the catchline should be. <laughs> Definitely, assimilation is coming. Uh, resistance is futile. Resistance but we'll, is futile. But, but we'll queue up nicely. Yeah. Please the greater good. Please form an orderly queue.
No. Thank you.